mindfulness mode. That's my secret weapon. I used to train for like professional boxing and things like that. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm here today with a serial entrepreneur, over 25 years experience in meditation and martial arts, and he's a psychonaut and a biohacker. We'll be talking about that. He operates High Performance Humans, and that's a company dedicated to offering personal uh, development and leadership programs. And uh, so we'll talk a lot about that as well. So I'm here today with Tim Bowie. Tim, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am always in mindfulness mode. I think that's a that's a great base to have. And thank you for the introduction, Bruce. And it's yeah, a pleasure to be welcome. here. Yeah. So let's start there. What does mindfulness mean to you, Tim? Uh, yeah, I think like mindfulness is very closely associated with uh, like awareness, and then yeah. probably awareness is very closely associated to a root of self-awareness. And so I think like a base is just like being aware of like. Um, what kind of patterns are going on and uh, whether they're conscious or whether they're unconscious, conscious being like, you know, what I have projects I have work to work on and unconscious being like, you know, certain fears that I have of not getting things done or relationship things that are kind of just brewing in the subconscious level, but just kind of just recognizing that they're there and how they're influencing my everyday life through the decisions I make or the ways that I communicate with people and how I show up in general. So I think mindfulness is at the bedrock of how I show up. Yeah. Well, I really am uh, impressed with how you show up on Instagram. You really, <laughs> you really have some cool things to share and it's really interesting because it's down to earth and, and you're sharing stuff that's essentially about mindfulness. And uh, in the bio, I mentioned that you're a psychonaut. So tell us what that means to you. Hmm. Yeah, I think the the journey of experiencing what is in our mind is what I would just call you know being a psychonaut. And I think a lot of times in the allure of you know going to Japan or uh, Tulum, Mexico, or you know all these like destination resorts, it is like a really enriching experience to just you know step into another culture and take on everything that's there beauty that exists within us. And I think it doesn't really get a lot of the, <laughs> it's not Instagrammable. And so it doesn't get a lot of the attention that it deserves, but I think there's a beautiful, there's like so much beauty that exists within us. And part of that has to, you have to go through some of the things, some of the hardships that you've experienced. And I think, you know, sitting down and meditating, you don't really have control or, you know, over, you know, what comes up, but that, when enough things are released and enough things come up, then there's less of the things that you're trying to avoid and more of the things that are just qualitatively there for you about you from your experiences. And so, um, I think whether you're doing that through meditation or whether you're doing that through some people use uh, float tanks or some people use breath work, some people go to the extreme and they use like plant medicine or DMT and things like that. So any, any I think all those experiences are equally relevant within their own um, domains. And so for me, I, I really think it's just important to spend a lot of time to just explore what's inside of us so that we know what we have to share with other people. Well, Tim, based on your Instagram, I would say that creative movement is very important to you. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very perceptive. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, in general, I'm a very huge proponent and I'm, you know, creating, I'm writing a book on flow state. Okay. And so I think, you know, there's, there's different aspects of flow and 
the flow state where you have the physical aspect, you have the mental aspect, and I think you have the spiritual aspect. And there's everything in between social, emotional. And um, when I think when we're most creative is when we are in flow, when there's no sense of time, there's no sense of self, and we're just really connected to the thing that we are doing and we're fully engaged with that thing. And I think everything comes through that space. And when I had like a lot of friends that are artists or musicians, and we all have a very similar experience, even athletes, uh, you know, being in the zone is we all have very similar experiences to what that thing is. It's just a little bit different in terms of the domain that it exists in, but the, the way that we describe it is very similar. Right. Tim, what are some of your successes as a result of being a biohacker? Uh, well, I would just say like the, the, the easiest one to talk about is mood and energy. Yeah. I think, you know, growing up for a long time, I was depressed forever. I think like just the way that I grew up with my parents, just emotionally disconnected from my parents. Um, I just, I think one of the biggest things was having consistent energy mm -hmm. and consistent, like good mood. Um, and why I determined how I determined like what a good mood is, is just like how excited I am when I wake up and mm -hmm. how easy it is for me to go to sleep. And I think just sleep is such a big part of our lives that we don't look at. And so biohacking kind of addresses, should address, like you're basically your circadian rhythm is, is really what it should address is like diet and sleep, especially. And then, you know, just how you regulate, um, temperature and things like that. Uh, but yeah, so I, I would say just to simplify it, it would probably be just energy. And like some of the things I do for that is just like when I wake up, I try to get daylight in my eyes as soon as possible. I try to get a little bit of uh, movement, like walking or jump roping or something like that. Uh, get some vitamin D on my skin, you know, I'll be in the back or something with just no, no shirt, just, you know, some sunscreen, of course, but yeah. just taking in the, the vitamin, creating vitamin D because uh, your body really needs that. So, I mean, it's, it's a, most Americans, I think over like 70% are deficient in vitamin D. And that was a really big thing during the coronavirus uh, pandemic period too, where it's just, you know, people who didn't have vitamin D were more adversely affected. So yeah, it's, it's a really big thing, just, you know, health and energy. Yeah. Are there any certain foods you avoid? <laughs> seed oils, anything with seed oil. So like anything you go to a restaurant, most likely they're using canola oil or something yeah. like that. Uh, so that creates a lot of inflammation that also makes it really easy for you to get sunburns. It also, uh, I think makes you age a lot faster. Um, so seed oil, I don't know if you could tell, but I'm, I'm being, I'm going to be 35 in a couple months. And I think seed oils is a, you know, not having seed oils is a good part of that. Not getting, uh, you know, sunburnt a lot is a good part of that. And that's just, you know, putting sunscreen on, of course, good sunscreen, uh, other foods, anything like to process. So like, unfortunately, um, that means a lot of snacks. I don't eat <laughs> yeah. snacks. I don't yeah. have a lot of sugar either. Like, you know, I try not to, I mean like, you know, fruits and things like that, but I think sometimes you get cravings for like pie or like cream puff or something. And I'm just like, ah, I shouldn't do that. So I just don't, yeah, I just try not to, I just, you know, I'll just take in some fat. So if you're having a craving, most likely if you take in like an avocado or something that, yeah. that usually squelches the, the craving. So I think that's really helpful. Yeah. And uh, tell me about movement in your life. I mean, I've seen lots of it on your Instagram, but uh, what's mm -hmm. movement look like for you on a regular basis? Yeah. So I think one of the, because like one of our like evolutionary highlights is the ability to walk and run. Mm -hmm. And so I think incorporating walking and running is very important. If we want to like think about like moving forward, 
And so, you know, I do spend a lot of time sitting at this desk and around this desk. Uh, but I have a, an app called, I think it's called like Hangout or something, or Timeout. Okay. And so every hour, it'll just kind of blank out my screen and I'm like, oh, it's time for you to take a break. And I'm like, okay. okay. And so like, I, I pretty much plan all my working in like a one hour. I mean, you can set it for whatever, but I just set it for an hour, just, you know, an hour. And then we take a five minute break. And so I'll go outside, I'll do some jump rope. I have an, like an assault bike over there. You can, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can see it, but it's like one of those bikes that you feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll just... Um, in the morning, like I said, I start with like a 20 minute walk just on the treadmill and have like two um, infrared lights that beam on me. And so that uh, there's some studies that show that it helps with, uh, you know, collagen production, mitochondria and mitochondria is like really, really, really important. Like as a, as a biohacker, like that's one of the main things I optimize for is like mitochondrial health and gut health. Um, but yeah, so aside from all that um, movement stuff, um, yeah. So 20 minutes in the morning, even though, you know, I work at home, it's just like trying just like getting the blood flowing and try, and just getting some, maybe, uh, at the end, sometimes I'll do a jog or a sprint. And so mm-hmm. getting those endorphins pumping, cause endorphins are like a hundred times more potent than, you know, morphine. So, you know, if you can get that in the beginning of your day, like you're already building up that sense of resilience, uh, from within and, you know, the drugs that we have within are, are quite powerful. Um, and then I try to work out like just in 30 minute sprints. So maybe if I can get two in a day, that's good. Or one every other day, sometimes that's good, but just in 30 minutes, I have like a little setup outside, you know, it's on my Instagram. You can see like, there's like this, you know, sauna, boxing mat, treadmill, all these weights and stuff, but you just try to go out there and just, just nail in like 30 minutes and 10 minutes of that might just be like warming up and doing some myofascial release, you know, finding whatever trigger points I have from sitting around or whatever, and then uh, just getting some movement in at least once, hopefully. Yeah. And yeah. and tell me about meditation in your life. Do you meditate? Yeah, uh, at least twice a day, sometimes more. Um, sometimes they're, in general, uh, you know, I think there's two sort of domains of meditation. Where there's a contractive and an expansive. So uh, you can also describe that as yin and yang or masculine and feminine. So like, I think... The first stage of meditation for me usually is a expansive state where I'm just sort of surrendering, allowing uh, whatever, you know, kind of non-focused meditation, just allowing whatever to arise to show up. And, you know, the main key is not to get attached, but just to observe and just observe what's showing up. Sometimes I'll take note, like, is am I thinking, am I feeling? You know, just like general note, just like that. Not like, you know, what I should do tomorrow or later to but just, you know, thinking or feeling just a little bit of labeling just to kind of create that distance. And then once uh, maybe I do that for a few minutes or once, once things start settling down a little bit, then I'll tap into my sensory. So I'll tap into my, my breath and follow the breath out and, and not just like let it fall out, but really like guide it out as I follow it out. And then start tapping into the domain of space around me. And I think that's very helpful for relaxing into the space and really tapping into that and grounding into a deeper sense of space that really like what's beyond my skin is not, is not just like outside, but like actually like I'm connected to everything eventually when I like relax into that. And then as soon as I feel adequately relaxed into that, you know, maybe that takes 10 minutes or 20 minutes and I'd go into a contractive state where I'll, you know, um, start, you know, dialing to my barrel reflex response or what you can call like, uh, a, a certain type of breathing to 
uh, it's not, you know, not very conscious, but it's just a certain rhythm of breathing that allows me to like amp up my uh, sympathetic system and right. uh, focus that on whatever is the object of meditation for the day, whether that's my body, my breath or, you know, anything really. It could yeah. Be anything. Thanks for so, yeah. explaining that. Yeah. What do you see as your purpose here on the planet, Tim? Yeah, I think uh, multiple purposes for sure. One is to accelerate the amount of connection and compassion that we all have uh, for each other. I think that's the bedrock for collaboration, which is the bedrock for innovation, which is our distinct and unique advantage as human beings is to that we can collaborate. Um, like you and I, we don't know each other and today we collaborate. And I think that's very special because there's no other species that we know of that really does that. And so we need, I think when you have a unique competitive advantage, you really have to lean into that. And I think right now we're, the times that we're in is it's hyper competitive and, uh, intellectualization is weaponized. So, you know, everybody's trying to strong man each other or strong, strong man each other. And, you know, it's like, just make everybody else appear not as good or the other side or whatever the case is. But I think right now that we have so much, we have so much to lose by doing that mm-hmm. and so much to gain by tapping into collaboration because of like recent advances in nuclear fusion, which, you know, just last year. And then just last year, also AI, I think these are like huge levers, like not just equalizers for, you know, those who quote, quote, are like, haven't been, you know, educated, you know, with their world country or whatnot, but also like, even for me, like every day I use AI and maybe we could say, you know, I'm, I have some level of education or whatever, but it's like advancing the ways that I can like process information and create. So I think the more higher levels of collaboration and the extension of through like vulnerability and safety that we have, the more we can bring out prolific work and benefit everybody around. And so like what, what I'm doing through my company is basically making flow ubiquitous so Mm -hmm. that it's not just like, Oh, it's just for athletes or it's just for musicians or it's just, you know, for this or that. It's like, we all experience flow. We just need to know when we're experiencing that. So we know what it feels like. We can have like an internal characterization, like an interoceptive experience that we can tap into like somatically. And then we can transfer that to other areas of life and we can become more creative. We can become more free to um, just bring out what all of us basically. So that's pretty much one of my main purposes that I'm working on right now. Cool. Thanks for sharing that, Tim. Hey, Mindful Tribe. I just want to jump in here and ask you, Mindful Tribe, do you have goals that seem out of reach? Maybe you're feeling stuck or discouraged. Here's one of my clients to share what she was experiencing. Hi, I'm Lindsay Rind, and I'm from Ontario, Canada. There were so many things about my life that I didn't feel confident about. You know, so many things that happened to me in a short period of time that I was basically confused and didn't know how to proceed. And, you know, I had pain from from working outside every day. And then I went to Bruce and we did some coaching and some hypnosis and things started to fit together, click together. I'm amazed really that I could go to somebody and they can work with me for a bit and my life could be so much better. I don't 
believe that I could have done that by myself. It's surprising that, you know, you can change the way you think. I'm so proud of the progress Lindsay has made as a result of the hypnosis and coaching sessions I did with her. Well, I currently have an opening in my schedule and maybe the timing is right for you to get the help you deserve. Send me an email at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com with now is the time in the subject line. Let's get you back on track again where you belong. Now, back to the episode. I want to ask you about the subject of bullying because I've worked in the field of bullying prevention for a long time. And I'm wondering if you have a story you can share with us. Uh, It could be going way back or it could be more recent. A story where, you know, it was about bullying, but mindfulness maybe could have made a difference somehow. Uh, Yeah, sure. Um, As a martial artist, I've been doing it for over almost 30 years now. Mm -hmm. Same thing with meditation, a little bit less. And so I see a lot of bullying, mm, you know, we'll start with, I think my first experience with bullying was when I was in second grade mm-hmm. and, um, I don't know why this kid was targeting me, but I guess I was just, you know, I, I, I think I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of, I think self-love. And I think I looked outside for validation at a very young age, just because of my connection with my parents wasn't the, they, we didn't have like the most wholesome connection. And so I think that made me a target. Um, I think, I think it's, it's easier to target people who aren't as strong outwardly. Um, and I think that's kind of what perpetuates the cycle of bullying because also on some level before they were that way and maybe they were, you know, picked on for certain reasons. And so they just kind of create that cycle of just, you know, victim perpetrator cycle. Um, and that experience, it, it was pretty painful. I, I think, um, I got like, he, like, I, I wanted to be friends with him and like, I guess he didn't. And so like, he like, we were like on the playground and he, uh, ended up, I don't know, like really like punching me hard in the stomach. And I was like, Oh, and I just remember it was like this pain in my stomach. And I had the the year before that I had gallbladder surgery and like half my stomach is like, there's like this huge scar on my stomach. So like I was not in good shape already. So, you know, I had all that going in my head and um, I didn't want to tell anybody about it, you know, because my parents, you know, may shame me or whatever probably I felt like. So I think there's a lot of alienation that happens with that. Um, I had a recent experience. I was at a um, kickboxing gym a couple Mm -hmm. of years ago and I walked into the gym and I had planned to spar with a friend who I knew there. And I guess he was like, you know, a little bit higher up. And so when I came in, there's some, some other guy who wanted to spar me and, and it was in like Dallas at the time. So I didn't know a lot of people. And like, he was like, Oh, like you, I'm not good enough to spar you or whatever. I'm like, I, you know, I just, I just came here to spar with my friend. Cause that's who, who I know. And uh, I don't want to just spar with random people, obviously for reasons like this. And so anyways, we got into it and then like we started sparring and then, um, yeah. And then he just like did some, like, we'll say less than, uh, honorable things during our, our time. So that happened. Um, and I think it would have been easy for me to like be really upset with him and leave and you know, all that, but you know, I ended up staying to spar with my friend. I didn't let that ruin my time. And, you know, I just realized that like, do this all the time like hurt people hurt people and heal people yeah. heal people and, and you know i think he's probably hurting and you know we don't if we have joy like i know that when i have joy i want to share it with everybody and i pray on them you know like i pray that 
you know, all the people that are close to me, all the people that I know that like are going through illness, disease or whatever, like I think about them and I, 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 I pray on that. And so like, I know that if I have joy, I share that. And I know that, you know, there are people out there who don't have that and they have suffering and they have pain. They, you know, bring that out to other people because that was, that's what makes them relevant. And so, you know, there's a understanding that I have, it's not just a rationalization, but an understanding some empathy for their perspective. And so I think having that little space that, that little space, that little buffer of mindfulness um, really helps me in terms of not having an emotional reaction that that like overtakes the experience of that day and could have potentially ruined the time that I had with my friends sparring and things like that. So I think that's right. pretty relevant and timely. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that, Tim. I appreciate that. As we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. First one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Uh, my Buddhist teacher, one of them. Yeah, my recent one. Awesome. And my second question is about emotions. And you've talked about this a bit already, but how has mindfulness helped you to deal with your emotions in a better way? I used to have a negative connotation with certain emotions. And I think through meditation, I realized that there's no negative or positive. Everything has trade-offs and, it, you know, there's a pro and a con to everything. And I was previously over, overly fixated on one, which would cause sort of a resistance or a reaction towards that thing, which would make it bigger than it really needed to be. And so just realizing that everything comes on a duality or within degrees helps me realize that uh, there's also a balance to everything. Right. Let's talk about breathing and uh, any advice or thoughts you have about breathing so that we can be more grounded and be more mindful. I think, you know, one of the things that I do every day is uh, I have an energy check-in with myself before, like maybe before getting on this podcast or before, you know, starting work or whatever. And I just like, I just write down into my journal or whatever that I have. If I'm, you know, taking a, a meeting or something, I'll have a, a notepad in front of me. I'll just be like, okay, it's just checking in one to 10. Where's my energy? One is like, I'm falling asleep at the wheel. 10 is I'm ready to just like run through the wall next to me. And, you know, if it's below six, I start doing breath work. And so that's just the commitment that I've made with myself that I want to show up how I want to show up. I don't want to show up like less than optimal, like, mm -hmm. you know, just not firing on all cylinders. And so that's a commitment I've made to myself. And I think a smaller version of that is really just every once in a while, just taking a, a deep breath through the nose and then just... And then just like breathing it out through like your teeth and just feeling a little bit of resistance and just like, just allowing that breath to just come out and following that. I think that just helps us dial back into our body because the more stress we have, like the, the, the less deeply we breathe. And sometimes it's just in our throat and sometimes it's in our shoulders and when we should get like this. And so like just doing that just helps like relax because it drives the breath down into the belly and that opens up, you know, doesn't start, but like it opens up the parasympathetic response within the body. And I think that is important to actually um, being productive uh, because, you know, there's only so much you can do in a stress state. And I think a lot of the magic happens actually in the parasympathetic state. So I think just, just um, whether that's like whenever you get a text message ring on your phone or a phone mm -hmm. call, you just take a breath before. And I think just something as simple as that you just anchor it to something that happens right. all the time. And I think that's where the magic happens. Right, right. I want to ask you about books. Is there a book 
that you recommend that can help with mindfulness or something that has really spoken to you on this topic? Hmm. There's a lot. I think the Michael Singer book is good. Um, mm -hmm. The one before the surrender experiment. That's right. what it's called. Um, and there's also the beginner's mind. I think that's a really important one. And I think that speaks to a lot of the, the purpose that I have. It's just that nobody's too important. That nobody knows too much. And, you know, especially in regards to ourselves, like we all can learn so much more. And I just look at myself. I try to, and this is one of the things that my Buddhist teacher really tried to nail into me because I was very arrogant. And was, um, that we're all just kindergartners, really. Yeah. And like, in, in the in the universe and so uh we shouldn't like treat other people like that like we're not kindergartners or that like or that we're better than them in some way and i think that's just really key to extracting as much value and wisdom from life as possible yeah i think that's so important any apps that you use that help with this aspect of your life uh, well, there's an app called the Apnea Trainer. I use that. Uh, Pre-meditation helps a lot. Uh, this is an app. It's my secret weapon. I used to train for like professional boxing and things like that. And what I would say is a lot of people train on like the VO2 max, which is like how efficiently your body uses oxygen. But mm -hmm. the other aspect of that is how well your body does in the high CO2 environment. And most people don't do very well. And uh, that puts you easily in a fight or flight response. So I think um the apnea trainer is a really good one and one, another one that i use is called uh i think it's called breathwork oh yeah breathwork that's a good one and, and so tim or the breathing. apnea trainer how do you spell that apnea trainer uh it's a is in apple p as in pennsylvania n is in nancy e a trainer. okay and that's an ios app okay yeah all right, I thought that's what it was. Okay, we'll put all of those uh, tips and suggestions in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com, Mindful Tribe. So check that out. And uh, so just before we wrap up, uh, do you have any final words of advice for our listeners, Tim? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the things that stresses us out is not being in alignment to whatever it is that we spend our time doing. And um, whether that's the purpose, whether that's like being with family, whether that's like being with friends, if there's anything stressful in there, like there's some way that we're seeing that there's no, there's some type of incongruency. And I think, um, one of the things that helps clear that up is just understanding what our values are. I do have like a free quiz on my uh, website, which you can find through my Instagram, which is, it just kind of helps you identify what your values are and what's important for you so that you can always show up engaged, getting the things that are meaningful for you instead of checking out and being less than you know, suboptimal, I guess. So your name is Tim Bowie, B-U-I, but how do we find you on Instagram? Because I'm seeing that it's got D-I-N-H in there. Can you explain That's that my middle name. Yeah. Is that your middle name? Uh, okay. Yeah. So, I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah, so it's easy to find you on Instagram. It's Tim, T-I-M, and then D-I-N-H, and then B-U-I. So mm -hmm. check Tim out on Instagram, and you'll find some really inspiring pictures and thoughts and quotes and all kinds of things on there. So, yeah, Thank Tim, you. thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode today. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has been fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you, okay, Bruce. Okay, all the best to you. Bye now. Bye. 
Mindful Tribe, you heard from my client, Lindsay, during the episode, and now you're going to hear a little bit more about her experience before and after the coaching that she had with me. The feeling I had before was me being frustrated in my own mind and body and not being able to move forward in direction that I knew that I should be moving forward in. And the after experience is me being more confident and me being able to make decisions, plan my life, do things I want to do. I'm just generally more content and happier. So I mentioned I do have an opening for another client. Maybe that client is you. Maybe you're the person, the time is right. This is a great opportunity to jump on a call and talk about what I can do. You know, we can just discuss it on a free call. So send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. Put now is the time in the subject line. And I look forward to talking to you. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.